0: Your lesson for this morning comes to us from the gospel of Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 20. Listen now for God's word to you. This is Jesus speaking and he says, "You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid." No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So when I was accepted to Princeton Theological Seminary, my wife Heather and I made a deal. And the deal was that because we were moving halfway across the country, 800 miles away from any family that we had, so that I could pursue my dreams and go to my dream school, that Heather should be allowed to go to Broadway as often and as much as she wanted. <laughs> deal, I said. But looking back on it, I'm not sure how much of a compromise it actually was, because as it turns out, I enjoyed going to Broadway just as much as, as Heather did. I, I loved getting on the train and riding up to New York City about an hour from Princeton, New Jersey. We'd get off the train, go to one of those pizza-by-the-slice places and grab a slice and walk like real New Yorkers. We felt really cool. And, and then we'd go to the, to the musical and we would enjoy that. And, and so it was something that I enjoyed. So, the three years that I spent on the East Coast with my theater-loving, musical-loving wife is what has inspired this sermon series that I am calling The Gospel According to Broadway. And you have probably seen the posters downstairs. They've been out for a few weeks now. We're going to look at three musicals over the next three weeks. We'll look at Les Mis next week, and then one of my favorites, Hamilton, which is a great name for a dog, by the way. Um, For those of you who don't know, that's the name of my dog named after the musical, Um, But this morning, we are looking at, can you guess, Fiddler on the Roof. One of my favorites, one I know that a lot of you have mentioned, is one that you enjoy. I saw a lot of head nodding and feet tamping while that was being played. I love anything that gets Presbyterians moving just a little bit. Uh, I've been listening to the soundtrack all week, and so now we're ready. We're, We're ready to go here. So the musical begins with Tevye, the main character, and a poor milkman entering the stage. And he begins his monologue by saying... A fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, no? But here in our little village of Anatevka, you might say that every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? Well, we stay in Anatevka because it's our home. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition. And then cue the orchestra, right? Tradition. This is a small little town in Imperial Russia in 1905, and, and he conti- a little small Jewish settlement, Anatevka, and it continues, Tevya continues by saying, in Anatevka we have traditions for everything, how to eat, how to sleep, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you, I don't know. But it's tradition, and because of our traditions, everyone knows who he is and what God expects of him. Tradition is what keeps this little Jewish community in Imperial Russia balanced in the world, but all around them, the world is changing and transforming. There are new philosophical and political movements that are emerging. There's rumors of an edict coming from the Tsar, an anti-Semitic edict that would remove the Jews of Anatevka from their hometown So their lives are very much like a fiddler on the roof, always sort of precarious, always trying to keep their balance lest they fall off and break their neck. And no other tradition is more important throughout the musical than that tradition of the matchmaker, the one who arranges marriages. We cannot trust young people to do this decision on their own, they say at the beginning of the musical so they have the matchmaker, and some of you are singing that song still in your head, matchmaker, ma- matchmaker, make me a match, find me a fine, catch me a catch. Bob, you have some competition for that song, right? <laughs> Not really. Um, and this is a big contentious point for Tevya because he has five daughters all of marriageable age, and his daughters, along with a lot of the other young people in Anatevka, don't want to get married, according to the traditions, out of a sense of duty and obligation. They want to get married out of love. And so Tevya's first daughter comes to him, and she announces that she's getting married to the tailor, which is a problem because Tevya has already arranged with the matchmaker for her to get married to the butcher. And so Tevia goes back and has this internal debate. Can he break with the traditions that he's used to And he relents and allows his daughter to get married for love. And then a second daughter comes to him and she's fallen in love with the idealistic revolutionary. And again, Tevye goes and has this internal debate. Can I allow her to get married for love and not according to the customs that we're used to? And again, Tevye relents. But then a third daughter comes to Tevye and says that she's fallen in love with a Gentile. And this causes Tevya a great deal of stress and turmoil. How can I turn my back on my own people, he says? How can I bend this far? If I bend this far, then I'm going to break. But on the other hand, he says, before saying, no, there is no other hand. This is a bridge too far for Tevye. This is bending tradition to the point of breaking. Tradition, this is the question throughout the musical Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition, it's what keeps them balanced in a world that is constantly changing and moving and shifting all around them, holding on to their sense of identity. Now let me say before we continue what I mean when I'm talking about tradition. First, I'm not talking about traditional. I'm not talking about that sort of style we kind of have debated about over the last several decades this debate between traditional style or contemporary or some mix of the two, uh, this often becomes a debate about what sort of music are we using during worship. But really it's a lot bigger than that, right? It's, just, it's about style just in general. Does the pastor and the choir wear robes? And you know how I feel about wearing a robe, and the choir is grateful for that. Um, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about tradition this morning. I, let me say I've been blessed by both traditional, contemporary, some mixture of both sorts of type of worship, that's not really the question at the heart of this musical. Nor am I talking about traditions, lowercase t with an s at the end, pluralized. Every church has traditions. Every family has traditions. We go to this place or that place on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Every church has traditions. It's the things that people say to the pastor, the new pastor, when he shows up, well, this is the way we've always done it. No None of you here would say that, right? <laughs> traditions are those things like the mission fair or the fact that we do Rise Against Hunger on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. These are traditions, and traditions are these localized expressions, and they're sort of always under evaluation for vital- viability and vitality. Does it offer life to the community? But this is not, I don't think, the question at the heart of the musical Fiddler on the Roof. When we talk about tradition in The Fiddler on the Roof, We're talking about tradition with a capital T. This thing that is a sense of identity, holding on to a sense of identity in a world that is constantly shifting and changing. For the Jews of Anatevka, it's holding on to this sense of identity in a world that seems to often be hostile to them. And for us as Christians, this question of uh, of tradition is how do we hold on to our faith? How do we keep our balance In a society that's becoming less and less Christian, where Christianity seems to be becoming increasingly irrelevant among so many people, how do we hold on to that sense of identity? And this, I think, is exactly what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount uh, spans three whole chapters in the Gospel of Matthew, from chapter 5 through chapter 7, and we're towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. And Jesus had just begun that sermon with what's known as the Beatitudes, this list of inverted blessings. So it's not the rich and the powerful who are blessed, but it's those who are poor in spirit. It's not those who are satisfied now who are blessed, but it's those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And then Jesus launches into some of these very familiar, beautiful words, that you are the salt of the earth And the light of the world. Salt, it's a a precious commodity in the ancient world. It's a, a seasoning, a flavoring. Although, for us modern folks, if anyone just puts salt on their food, it makes it a little bit bland, right? People get roasted all the time on social media for only putting salt and pepper on their food. Like, there are more seasonings besides that. And so, one scholar says to sort of get at what Jesus is saying here, it's better to think of it like Jesus saying, You are the red hot pepper of life. You are the zest and the flavor of life. You are what makes life exciting and enjoyable. And then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the light shining in the darkness. You're the light of hope, shining in places of hopelessness. You're the the light of justice, shining in places of injustice. The light of love, shining in places of hatred. The light of compassion, shining in that darkness of apathy and indifference. And so as the crowd is listening to Jesus, I imagine many of them sitting there saying, you know, this Jesus guy, he's really saying some great stuff. But The problem is Jesus is so often upending social, social conventions. And so I imagine among them, they're saying Jesus is saying great things, but on the other hand, they start sounding like Tevye, on the other hand, is he getting rid of everything that we've ever known and everything that we hold dear? And this is when Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I have come to fulfill. And I think that we as Christians, it does us well to pay attention to Jesus when he says this. That Jesus has not come to get rid of what we now accept as the Old Testament, but he has come to fulfill it. And by that it means Jesus has come to infuse it with a new sense of life, to to allow the tradition to be what it was always meant to be. The salt of the earth and the light of the world. No, Jesus has not come to get rid of tradition. He's come to give it a sense of meaning and purpose in his own time and place, in his own context. No, Jesus has not come to get rid of that tradition, that tradition that says that the people of God are meant to live in a distinctive way. No, Jesus has not come to get rid of the law and the prophets, that great charge that I give to you every single week that you are to love God with every fiber and ounce of your being and to love your neighbor as yourself. No, Jesus hasn't come to get rid of the tradition that says that we are to care for the widow and the orphan, to let justice and righteousness roll down like an ever-living stream. Jesus hasn't gotten rid of the tradition that says that we are to love God, to seek justice, seek kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Jesus has not come to get rid of any of that. He has come to infuse it with a sense of himself so that it speaks to his own time and place, so that the tradition might be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And here's the thing. Jesus interpreting it and saying that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets does not mean that our job is done. Every generation of Christians has this responsibility to interpret tradition, not to solidify and calcify it and etch it into stone, But we're always in this process of discerning, what does it mean for this tradition to be living in our own time and place, in our own context? The 1996 movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, features a high school music teacher who is in love with classical music. He loves Bach and Mozart and Beethoven, and uh, for him, music is about heart and feeling and what it does to people. It's not about the notes on a page and he desperately wants to share this love of classical music with his students. And so he gets up, and he talks about Bach and Mozart, and he looks out at the the room full of high school students and sees just blank, bored-to-tears faces. That's when Mr. Holland decides to try something different. He goes over to the piano, and he starts playing one of the hit pop songs of the day, and, and suddenly everyone is thrust out of their bored stupor, and feet start tapping, and heads start nodding along to the beat. And... Mr. Holland says, you know what that is? It's Beethoven. What this hip-hop song has done is taken one of Beethoven's tunes, his melodies, and put electric guitar to it and, and added lyrics to it, talking about something that every teenager cares about, falling in love. And so suddenly, it's not just Beethoven anymore. It's this song that speaks to the reality of the, of the world in which these high school students are living. This, I think, is what it means to be a person of faith. It's learning how to sing an ancient song with a new tune. Singing that ancient song in ways that other people can understand and hear. And I think that is one of the most important things for us to realize in the here and now. Because, like I said, Christianity is becoming increasingly, increasingly irrelevant for people's lives. And so how are we singing that ancient song with a new tune? In ways that others can hear and understand. Because the truth is, I think our faith speaks to those deepest needs and longings of others. People long to know that they are loved unconditionally and accepted. People long for a better world all around us. They long for justice and righteousness. They they long to know that they have a place to belong. And our tradition speaks to all of that. But in order for others to hear it, it takes us singing that ancient song, playing that ancient song with a new tune. That every time we show God's unconditional love, we are playing that ancient song with a new tune. Every time we seek justice and righteousness in the world around us, heads start nodding in recognition. Every time that we show someone that they belong, that they're accepted just as they are, then the feet start tapping in recognition. To be a person of faith is to sort of always be trying to keep our balance in a world that is always shifting and changing all around us. That we are, in a lot of ways, fiddlers on a roof, always in danger of falling off. As the musical ends, uh, the edict comes down from the Tsar that the Jews of Anatevka are going to have to leave. And so Tevye and his wife decide they're going to make their way to the United States. And as Tevye makes his way off stage, he looks back and there's the fiddler standing in the center. And Tevye bids him to come and follow The fiddler, the one who plays this ancient song of tradition, following them into this new context, this new time and place. That's what tradition is all about. It's about infusing it, fulfilling it with new life and possibilities in the here and now so that we can be always who Jesus calls us to be, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.